Incoming transmission. The Whedonverse word of the day is shiny. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Actually, let's switch this up a bit. Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in this episode of Firefly in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. The ambassador renting space in all of our hearts. It's Ren Sims! Yay! Hello, hello, hello. Red Sims! <laughs> How you doing? I am okay. <laughs> and, I am hanging in there. You know, no matter how bad your day gets, it's always nice to unwind with a little slice of the Whedon verse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I forgot how much I missed this show. I know. Oh. Yeah, so uh, for folks uh, who may just be tuning in for the very first time, uh we normally cover Star Trek. That's our that's our thing. That's our bread and butter, day in day out. Um, but we also from the from the beginning of this show, I have wanted to also cover star, what I what I refer to as Star Trek adjacent properties, uh, things that happen in space, sci fi adventures, and the like, and see what influence one had on the other, if there was any. And uh, this is our first one. We're covering Firefly. So I hope you have had a chance to watch Firefly. If you're one of those people who've been living under a rock (laughs) since 2002, 2003, (laughs) do yourself a favor. Go find Firefly. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) And it's short. It's really short. You know, some of these and Star Trek is one of them, but like Star Trek, Doctor Who, X-Files, you know, (laughs) Battlestar Galactica, even Battlestar Galactica, as short as that is is still a pretty big commitment, but Firefly, 14 episodes and one movie. And that's yep. it. That's all we got. We and got honestly, some co- we got some comic books. If you don't want to commit to the series, just watch the movie. It's not as um all-encompassing, but it gets the point across and it's still really well done. Yeah, that's true. It, I mean, look, so. if you if you like what Joss Whedon has done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which he's had quite a, he's he's had quite an influential hand in those movies uh check out check out serenity the movie serenity uh it's really good and it's got a great cast uh it's very well written very well produced uh but yeah this is uh this is fun and it, as fun as it is it's also heartbreaking because um something i i read into it a little bit today because i wanted to get sort of a refresher on yeah. uh, the saga that is firefly oh yeah and I, they didn't, it's, it's a drama and they didn't market it as such. Right. Um, there are funny, it, it, I think it's, it's a good combination of everything Whedon does. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's got the drama to it. It's got a lot of seriousness to it, but there is so much other stuff that kind of takes away from how serious this show is. Oh yeah. Um, just in the sense of the themes and, you know, you're in space and oh, that's, yeah. Something I completely forgot about watching this today, how well done their space shots are. Oh, yeah. Sound 
it's it's like it would be in space. It's just so fascinating to me because most of these shows they'll put sound effects or you know you're gonna have explosions and you know that kind of thing. But Firefly does it so well. Yeah, it's I just I love this show so much. Yeah, and uh, you know we're we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with uh, with our thoughts. No, no, that's fine. But I do want to say this because it is relevant to the discussion that we're having. It's so funny that. You mentioned the sound design. Mm-hmm. We really didn't see an accurate portrayal of sound in space with the spaceships until uh, the Kelvin timeline, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek in 2009, where oh, wow. the ship gets attacked a whole, you know, there's a whole breach and someone gets sucked out, sucked out of the ship mm-hmm. and the camera follows them out and the sound cuts out immediately. And mm-hmm. it was so for something to just not be there was so jarring. I remember watching it in the theaters and just going, Oh God. <laughs> and it made, it made it hit so much more of like, it added a level of realism to it that helped you suspend your disbelief on everything else of like, wow, yeah. they, they really nailed in, this. Yeah. It puts you in, it puts you right where you're supposed to be first stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, and the last thing I say, but uh, last thing I'll say before we get into the recap, uh, because it's a very long recap, and I'm, <laughs> we're, yeah, I want to be mindful of uh, Ren's time and my time as well. Uh, but the last thing I'll say is, you know, a lot into their episodes. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> but um, one of the things that Star Wars gets um, championed on a lot is the fact that it's a western. That's that's a space western. And I never got that. And then I watched Firefly and I was like, oh, that's a space Western because <laughs> it feels very much like a oh, space God. Western. They did it right. And yeah. they did it well. It is. Oh, this show is so good. Yeah. And again, it's so good. And because it's so good, it's so heartbreaking that yeah. <laughs> this was all we got. Although that might that might be the debate uh, after this is all said and done. But. Okay, we're done getting ahead of ourselves. Yep. Let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. In the year 2511, Mal and Zoe fight in the Battle of Serenity Valley during the Unification War. Whatever that means. Without air support, their side is eventually defeated by the Alliance. (laughs) Six years later, Mal is the captain of his own ship an older model Firefly class vessel. Oh, that's why they call it that. He named Serenity. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! And Zoe is his XO. The rest of the ship's crew consists of Wash, the pilot and Zoe's husband, Kaylee, the engineer, Jane, an untrustworthy merc, and Inara, a prostitute. While the crew are illegally salvaging some crates off a derelict Alliance spaceship, they're spotted by an Alliance cruiser. To escape, they deploy a decoy distress beacon. The Alliance falls for it, but broadcasts a bulletin that a Firefly ship is carrying stolen Alliance goods. The crew of Serenity travel to Persephone to deliver the stolen goods to Badger, a small-time gang leader who hired them for the heist. However, Badger reneges on the deal because he's worried about the Alliance broadcast about the theft. He also doesn't like the way Mal looks down on him. Mal decides to try selling the cargo to Patience, an old business associate who lives on Whitefall. Zoe has misgivings, since Patience shot Mal the last time they met, 
but Mal's desperate to get rid of the hot cargo. The crew picks up passengers before leaving Persephone for some extra income. The new passengers are Book, a preacher, Dobson, a klutz, and Simon, a wealthy doctor with a mysterious large crate. That's probably not going to be relevant to anything in the story. En route to Whitefall, Wash discovers that someone on board sent a message hailing the nearest Alliance cruiser. Mal confronts Simon, suspecting he's the mole, only to discover that Dobson's the mole. (laughs) Dobson surprises Mal by telling him it's Simon he wants to arrest, not Mal. During the tense confrontation, a nervous Dobson accidentally shoots Kaylee before being overpowered by Book, who's surprisingly good at hand-to-hand combat for a preacher. When an Alliance cruiser orders them to dock for prisoner transfer, Simon threatens not to treat Kaylee if they don't run. Inara's like, Come on! Mal reluctantly agrees. Mal then opens Simon's mysterious crate and is surprised to find a young woman inside in cryonic sleep. The woman in the crate is River, Simon's sister. Simon explains that his sister was a brilliant child who was sent to an elite but secretive Alliance Academy when she was 14 years old. After River sent Simon an encoded letter for help, he discovered that the Alliance was experimenting on the Academy students. Simon abandoned his career as a successful trauma surgeon to rescue River, and the Alliance wants her back very badly. Mal decides to proceed to Whitefall as planned and drop off both the goods and the siblings. Mal tells Jane to interrogate Dobson to find out what he told the Alliance about them. Dobson tries to bribe Jane, offering him enough money to buy his own ship. Soon after, they discover that a Reaver ship is approaching. Zoe explains to Simon, If they take the ship, they'll rape us to death, eat our flesh, and sew our skins into their clothing. And if we're very, very lucky, they'll do it in that order. Luckily, the Reaver ship passes by without incident. Serenity lands on Whitefall. Not trusting Patience, he sends Jane to take out her hidden snipers while he and Zoe meet Patience and some of her henchmen in a barren valley. Mal gives Patience a sample of the cargo. As expected, Patience tries to kill them after learning where they have buried the rest. But Mal and Zoe and Jane dispatch Patience's gang. Mal leaves Patience alive but takes the money he was promised. Jane is warned by Wash that the Reavers turned around and have followed them to Whitefall. Meanwhile, back on the ship, Dobson escapes, knocking out Book and grabbing River. Mal returns and shoots Dobson, dumping his body off the ship as they start to lift off. The Reavers hot on their tail. Mal orders Inara, Book, Simon, and River to go to Inara's shuttle just in case the ship is boarded. Jane carries the barely conscious Kaylee to the engine room, and Book offers to help her. With Jane and Book carrying out Kaylee's instructions, Wash pulls off a crazy Ivan maneuver, and they escape. Jane tells Mal that they should dump the siblings since Dobson had told him that the Alliance will keep coming after River. Mal asks Jane why he didn't turn against him. Jane responds that the money was not enough. Mal suggests to Simon that he and River might be safer on the move and points out that Serenity is always moving and in need of a medic. Simon reluctantly accepts his offer and Fox canceled the show. So uh, right off the bat, we've got uh, some archetypes here in the show. We've got the, the leader who is very much a... Kirk-esque, little bit of Han Solo, kind of a pirate guy. He's been in he's been in the trenches before. We have any thoughts on uh, Mr. Malcolm Reynolds? 
I have so many thoughts. On <laughs> Feed me. So give cool. me whatever you got. Give me. <laughs> just, he is everything you would want in a captain. He is so all-encompassing. And Nathan Fillion, this this was made for him. Like everyone oh, yeah. that are in the roles they are in, the, the casting on this was just to die for. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I I love everything. Like I I love this stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. How do you think Mal would fare in Starfleet? He wouldn't. No. It, I honestly, I think it really depends it, it depends on when he went in. Okay. Like what age, like if it was after the Firefly series or was it during like before the war? I, I think it really just depends on where he's at, but as as when we meet him, I mm-hmm. don't think he would do well. He has yeah. issues with when it comes to large groups of people in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean, That's his crew reason. is half a dozen, half a dozen people. <laughs> Not even; it's a handful. Yeah. Like it's less than ten. Like yeah, five or six. It's very small. Yeah, very very small. More than a crew. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think with the size crew he's got, he'd be well suited on something like the Defiant from deep space nine. Um, But again, I don't see him working under the thumb of, I don't see him working under the thumb of the Federation, certainly not Starfleet. Um, He's more, he's more of a boots on the ground kind of guy. So, well, I mean, he was obviously in infantry mm -hmm. in the war that he was in. I mean, Mm -hmm. with the opening scene, um, he's got trust issues with, I mean, for obvious reasons. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'd like him in a show like that, honestly. Like, I don't, it'd be interesting how, how they, how they do it. If if that were the case, I I love where he's at. I will say that like, sort of like Kirk, definitely like Picard and probably most like Cisco, he can take a motley crew and Janeway. Let me just go ahead and throw Janeway in there as well. Um, can take a motley crew that probably should not be working together and with one rousing speech okay we're a well-oiled machine <laughs> here to do whatever whatever the job needs <laughs> he he garners respect and they all do they all have this air of they know what they're doing and either get on or get off like mm-hmm. you've got two options like yep and there is no in between and yeah. you don't have to agree with them but this is the way it is like it or not yeah i think so this is taking place roughly in the just the beginning of the 26th century so i think this is roughly around the time this is somewhere between original series and next gen somewhere around in there um if if we were combining timelines um i think you know i just again in looking at how mal conducts himself and his resume as it stands at the beginning of this episode, I don't think, like I said, I don't think he would work well in Starfleet. Mm-mm. He might work well in section 31. I think he would be a great undercover operative because he would, because he would get the job done. He's got many uh, nefarious contacts and has been around and seen the worst. Uh, so I think that, and again, with his distrust of, the government and military, I think that makes him a prime candidate to sort of work underneath, work behind the curtain type stuff. And I, I mean, Zoe's Zoe's along for the ride. 
Zoe's okay. Zoe's number one, you know, ride or die. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I, you know, if Zoe's going, you know, wash is going. Oh yeah. Jane, Jane's a bit of a wild card. Jane's the one that Jane's the yeah. one that's going to end up having a phaser put to his head probably by Mal because if anybody is going to be Mal. Yeah. I mean, he's a Merc at <laughs> the end of the day. It's, he's a Merc. Mercs get paid and <laughs> Federation's not about that. Neither is uh, Starfleet. It, no, um, that's not what they're about. That's no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on, uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll discuss Zoe and Wash in a minute, but what are your thoughts on Jane? Cause like I said, he's kind of a wild card. Um, in the first episode. Yes. But I think because I've seen the, the series numerous times and mm-hmm. um, he, because he sticks around, he does form a bit of a loyalty to Mal and um, some of the crew, maybe not all of the crew, um, but he's just, that's just who he is. Like he, he's just one of those guys. He, he like he said in this first episode, it's like, it, it just wasn't enough money. Yeah. And it just, I think throughout the series, I think that amount of money went down with how much I think he connected with the crew towards the end there. Yeah. They may not have become family to him, but they were definitely friends. Yeah, I think so. I think there was a mutual respect there of, you know, things, things Jane is willing to do equating to the level of horror that Mal and Zoe have seen in the war. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that Jane was in the war. I don't recall, but, um, yeah, so there's definitely a level of respect there that uh, that is reciprocated between the two of them. Uh, Adam Baldwin, an iconic performance, I think, as Jane Cobb. Like, oh yeah, it's hard to you know, and again with such little time spent as this character, it's hard to picture anyone else playing any of these characters. Oh yeah, completely. No one else fits them. Like, it, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, so let's get into uh. Gina Torres and Alan Tudyk oh. as the Washburns. Oh. <laughs> Zoe and Wash Washburn. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I... Gina, so strong, so powerful, and so lovely. Yeah. Very formidable. Like, I just, I love how she talks to Mal. Like, yes. she's the only person mm-hmm. that would ever be able to say the thing she says to him and right. have it taken the way it was meant to be taken by him and it's just it's i love their interaction and their the relationships that they have and then this she's got this it's so funny because i think there was an episode later on in the series where wash was feeling like she respected the captain more than him because <laughs> of the relationship that they have yeah and just i don't know i just i love all the characters and those two characters together like it's just awesome like oh yeah <laughs> Well, you know, in terms of, again, you know, equating all of this to Star Trek, uh, I love I love me some Will Riker um, and Kira Norris and Chakotay. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got some really great first officers in the Star Trek franchise. Yes, but I I think she I'd I'd put Zoe up against any of them. Oh, yeah. She's 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 bad. (laughs) I mean, she's she she goes, she gets in there and gets the job done. And of okay. course, who doesn't love Alan Tudyk? Oh, he's that man is amazing. Come like, on, even Tudyk. 
Well, it's so funny. Like, I knew who he was, and I knew some of the, like, voiceover acting that he did. But for the longest time, I didn't realize mm. how much he's done. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just so prolific. if I said that word correctly. It's just, there's a lot. <laughs> okay, so I've just pulled up his IMDb. Oh, it's long. It, it, it Yes, it's very long. So I'm just going to read the random, because, you know, there's that known for, and it gives you like four little things. And I think yeah, it's random every time you pull it up. But he is known for, outside of Firefly, of course, Firefly is one of the things. Yeah. Um, Rogue One, where he plays K2SO. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays Sonny in iRobot, like mm-hmm. the main robot opposite Will Smith. Oh yeah, his voice acting is phenomenal. And he's also he also plays Watt in A Knight's Tale. Yeah, I don't remember him yeah, in A Knight's Tale. Oh yes, okay, yes, 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 yes. I do Under. recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one of I think me and Fred's one of our favorite movies. Like it is so well done. I love that oh. show so much. That movie. It's a launch. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, that's very high up on uh, Kat Davis's uh, favorite movies of all time. I actually, so it's funny, that movie is part of a two-part movie set in my mind uh, Mm -hmm. because the cast also did the movie The Order, which I think came after Night's Tale. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a religious-based horror thriller. And it's, oh, it's so good. It It is. It's so, so good. Thank you for reminding me. I haven't seen that in a very long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been pushing, uh, I've been pushing for a long time to watch that as part of a series with, um, with the boys on Cinema Shock. Okay. And even before, even before that show took its current form when it was still, um, Slice of Fried Gold and Psychotronic Film Society, I pushed for, um, the order to be reviewed because it doesn't have a good rating and I don't know why. And no, it's such a good movie. It's a very good movie with an excellent cast. I think it holds up very well. I mean, we're talking about a movie that's at least pushing 20 years old. I think Night's Tale is yeah, Night's Tale is 2001. So it was the early 2000s. It was early 2000s, but Night's Tale was 2001 and I think The Order was maybe the following year. Okay. Um just pull that up because now i'm curious this is making me realize how old i am (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's see oh um yeah so uh oh wow okay so knight's tale came out in 2001 the order came out in 2003 so yeah uh two years later okay they they cranked that one out um yeah such a good movie oh absolutely love it and uh again just so brokenhearted. <laughs> yeah. I think the two, um, go, going back to Alan Tudyk's stuff, this some of the things he's been in. I think two of the roles that surprised me the most uh, with his voice acting mm-hmm. was he did King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. What? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And he was also Hey Hey in Moana. Oh, funny. The, he, uh, no, I, I hate to say this, but out in that, he's one of my favorite parts of that movie. <laughs> wow the chicken (laughs) yeah oh my god well i'm just you know i just scrolled down to just see how long he's been working and the first 
Well, yeah. The first thing I've got is something called 35 Miles from Normal, which was in 1997. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but then his very next role was in Patch Adams with Robin Williams. He was in Patch Adams? He was in Patch Adams. I just recently watched that. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a that's not a bad thing to have on your resume. He's just he's very talented and yeah. he's good in everything that he does. And, and it just it just gets better from there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with his TV stuff, you know, uh, so he got started in '97. You know, oh two, oh three. That's when Firefly hit. So I mean, yep. he was not at this for for very long. Um, yeah, he just took off. He's very talented. Yeah, super, super talented. I like, and yeah, again, we're focusing a lot on Alan Tudyk, but like, he's one. Everyone, everyone in this cast is super amazing. <laughs> so let's move right along. Let's talk a little bit about Maria. I mean, we're not going to hit everyone in the cast here, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Marina Baccarin, who plays Inara. I think many people will recognize her from V the show V where she plays like the main focus of that alien show. Yeah. She's like the main character, I think. Right. Right. Uh, Kat and I watched it and it's really fun. Of course, it's a remake of V from, I want to say the seventies or eighties. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's, it's a remake, but um, more recently people will definitely know her as Vanessa from the Deadpool movies. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, Vanessa from the Deadpool movies, uh, Deadpool's love interest. Why did I not connect that? Because I love that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know that. Why don't I know that? It's yeah, and she and she's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I think to be fair, to be honest, I feel like she could have she. I think she could have done Wonder Woman because she's she's good. She's really good. Not to say Gal Gadot is you know. A slacker. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all, I but think I think I think Marina's got the she's got the nerd cred. She's got the acting chops. You know, she's in good shape. I think she could. You know, she's uh, let's see, Italian and Brazilian Portuguese ancestry. So oh, she's gorgeous. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if she had been picked before Gal Gadot, like before I had seen her mm. as Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. I could get behind it. But because she did it first. I, she did such a good job. Oh yeah, yeah, like, gals, yeah, gals, really not. Like she was that she was roll out of the park. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. Uh, she was also she was also Leslie Tompkins in uh, on the Gotham the Gotham TV show. Did you ever watch the Gotham TV show? No, I haven't. I've wanted to. It's on the list. It's a very long list of things that I would like to watch. I think I I think Cat and I went through the first two seasons and really dug it. It's just you know life happens and there's only there's only so many hours in the day um but yeah and she's she's got quite an impressive uh an impressive resume herself going you know all over the place with you know sci-fi stuff yeah she's some comedy some drama like yeah she's she's got quite an impressive resume as everyone in this cast does so uh the last um well i can't really say the last because we've gotten at least like four more people in this regular uh there's regular really, there's only a couple that i really want you to touch on <laughs> well okay first of all i'm going to need you to phrase that differently because i know two of the people <laughs> are jules uh jules state and uh summer glass so we're going to need to rephrase that <laughs> okay. no. 
so who who else do we need to cover before we uh before we get moving on kaylee okay my favorite person in this whole series jewel stay is uh yes as kaylee fry so much so adorable and so fun she adds such an optimism that this show desperately needs and there's such a balance with this cast oh yeah i feel like i I don't know like the show wouldn't be as good if there was one person missing like Mm. like it's good the way it is like it wouldn't be anything else if you know okay everybody wasn't where they were kind of thing right right well it kind of makes sense she's canadian (laughs) (laughs) just which just makes her extra lovable (laughs) oh she is so lovable too like Yeah, she's, I mean, she's got a decent, uh, she's got a decent resume too, but I'm seeing a lot of TV stuff. Okay, so I first saw her on a Disney show. Um, What? I was actually looking it up. Um, It was a show, I'm pretty sure it was on Disney, Um, but it was called Flash Forward. Flash Forward, yes. You remember? And it had Ben Foster in it. Mm -hmm. And they basically played Neighbors. It was just the cutest thing. It was a very cute show. Yeah. It was adorable. Uh, (laughs) thing i ever saw her in and honestly i she she does have quite an impressive resume oh i didn't realize she was in stargate um (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the last like i saw flash forward and the next thing i saw her in was firefly oh wow it yeah it's a perfect role for her she is i love this show so much yes oh my god so great it's been so long since i've talked about it (laughs) i know yeah it's kind of it's kind of one of those it's kind of one of those merit badges that every nerd kind of has to get when they enter the realm of different fandoms. If your yeah. fandom is sci-fi or sci-fi adjacent, it's kind of one of those ones where it's just like, hey, look, carve carve out, you know, a weekend mm-hmm. and just blow through all of Firefly, Firefly and Serenity and, uh, you know, and go ahead and get your merit badge for that because <laughs> it's 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 such a it's such a staple it became such a it became such a badge of honor that you know that you know firefly and that you've seen firefly and there was a period of time where it's just like yeah i've got the box set on my shelf absolutely and it was one of those ones where anytime you encountered someone who hadn't seen it it was like okay do you like star wars yeah okay and then you slide them firefly hey do you like star trek okay check this out slide them firefly it just it it ticked off so many boxes you know and just uh, the fact and again we love it so much which is why it's so painful what happened uh on the production side what's funny about it is it's 14 episodes it's Mm -hmm. very short yeah but there is so much packed in to those 14 episodes like Mm. the pilot is like an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and I mean, you saw how long the recap was. Like, so oh, yeah. much happened. <laughs> and it was so well done and so well put together that it didn't feel like you were sitting there for that long. Like, it was just like, yeah, it's just so entertaining. And it it, it gets you into the, sh- like, you. it feels like you're there. It, it is so well done that yeah. you don't even realize you're sitting there for as long as you are. And I think most of the episodes are about as long as most of the other ones. So like an hour. Yeah. Five. You know, the standard 44 to 45 minutes yeah. with two commercial breaks or a few commercial breaks anyway. But yeah, the, um, you know, for a little peek behind the curtain of the production of this podcast, I tend to script out a lot of the, uh, I script out all the recaps 
and put in the sound effects and the jokes and blah, 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 blah. Generally, when I pull a recap and start, you know, cutting and pasting, I might, by the time I've expanded it to include sound effects and everything, I might have one full page. I might have one full page of recap. Before I started anything, when I got this recap just down on paper, it was over two pages. I was just like, okay, we're going to have to, we're going to have to streamline this a little bit. (laughs) Their storytelling is immaculate. Like it's just, it's so well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they pack so much in and with, you know, it's Joss Whedon. Um, This I think is one of my favorite projects he's, he's ever worked on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So before we get too much into the production, let's wrap things up with the cast here. Anybody, who else do you want to talk about? I imagine Summer Glau. Yes. Definitely River and Simon. River Uh, and Simon. Well, let's, let's say, let's, let's jump over to, um, since we just talked about Jewel, let's talk about Sean Mayer as Dr. Simon Tam, since he, since he appears first in the pilot. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, known for Firefly and Serenity, and then uh, he's got some he's got some voice work to his credit. But I don't know that I could point out a lot of big things that he's on. I see a lot of TV stuff and a lot of other stuff, but he was just so perfect for this role. And oh yeah, just the relationship he has with his sister, mm-hmm. like he it's just i don't know like and especially the growth throughout this whole series that he has from the first episode to like the last one like it's just it's crazy the character development that these that these guys have like it's they're so complex and in such a short period of time like in 14 episodes i feel like you know these people better than watching two years of star trek any any series that's uh that's high praise yeah yeah absolutely they're so fleshed out and they're so well acted like Mm -hmm. you just like you know these people (laughs) and i think that's why we're so heartbroken that there isn't more yeah yeah because Uh, well it was done yeah outside of firefly uh sean mayer sean mayer's appeared in a lot of dc animated things um you know especially in the last few yeah especially in the last probably 10 15 years he's he's appeared in a lot of those type things but most well known for uh, dr simon tam um and with well with good reason he he strikes me as uh, no pun intended for what i'm about to say but he strikes me as the type of doctor you'd want to punch in the face <laughs> he it's kind of like uh okay so my thoughts on julian bashir from uh <laughs> from deep space nine i every time i every time i see julian bashir uh come on screen i i know he's a good doctor and he's a fantastic actor but the character just if if he was talking to me the way he talks to other people, I'd want to punch him in the face. I'm just smug. like, let me let me go ahead and reset you, dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he's smug. He's he's he's. I'm trying to think of the word. Arrogant is too light of a word. It's kind of like, he's it, got a sense of entitlement to him yeah. of like I'm very well educated. I have lots of money, which entitles me to a certain level of behavior with people who don't and. Mm-hmm. Those people, those people get punched. And I'm a doctor and I have all this knowledge. Oh yeah. There's this air of betterment. Like they are, they are better. And the thing of it is, is I don't think Simon necessarily feels that way, but he acts that way. It's like this air of, it's like a shield almost. Mm, Yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, when it comes to his sister, 
yeah, when it comes yeah. to his sister, you really see you really see the the claws come out of like, hey, I will fight tooth and nail. I will do whatever it takes to ensure my sister's safety. Well, he's the older sibling. He's her protector, always has been. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, and he does such a good job of it. I mean, there's so many layers to all these characters and everyone does such a good job of, of acting those layers. Like, it's just... Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, scooting over to uh, Dr. Tam's younger sibling, mm-hmm. played by played by Summerglow, uh, oh, yeah. iconically played by Summerglow. <laughs> yes. Um, she's got she's got probably the shortest probably the shortest resume of anybody on the show but i feel like you could almost instantly recognize her on some level on some level even more than like nathan fillion she has such a unique yeah. look yeah and you know some of the things she's been involved in uh well for, first of all it should be noted uh firefly was the second thing on her resume that's not a bad like sophomore sophomore gig yeah yeah <laughs> she did such a good job at it too like yeah just yeah and you can't imagine anybody else stepping into those uh into those ballerina shoes <laughs> oh no and and honestly watch the series even if for nothing else than to see her progression mm. because it starts out like not talking much being scared of things and then you really start to see her kind of blossom as a person and then you start to see what they did to her mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> terrifying and if you don't watch this series definitely watch the movie because there's a scene in that movie where she gets kind of unleashed Mm. and it is terrifying and spectacular all in like (laughs) that scene is amazing do you know which one i'm talking about oh yes in the bar yep yep (laughs) it's dope it's really cool she now like after firefly she had uh she had a couple things you know some one-off tv appearances Mm -hmm. and a few tv movies but then she got into uh seven episodes of the unit eight episodes of the 4400 uh one appearance on the big bang theory playing the playing the character of summer glow (laughs) but uh that was in 2009 her big bang appearance but it was actually kind of piggybacking off of her next big thing which was she played a terminator Mm -hmm. in in the sarah sarah connor chronicles which i adored that show that was such a good show and it was so well done yes it was so well done i mean and i can't remember the actress's name but the fact that Cersei played the main character. Oh yeah. Uh like, yeah. Um I can't remember her name. Uh Lena Headley. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, Lena Hetty. Uh yeah, yeah. From from Game of Thrones plays yep. Sarah Connor. Like and Very she's well. a bad <laughs> in it too. Very much so, yeah. Oh, I love that series. Again, uh, you know, just one of those ones where I Fox I don't yep. know, I don't know what they're doing over at fox where they're canceling these amazing shows and they do it all the time they do it all the time i think the problem is is they have to so many good shows that they have to pick yeah because i feel like i want to say the last like 10 or 15 television shows that i've really loved and liked a lot mm-hmm. have been fox show yeah they yeah put out good stuff yeah they really do they really really do they and uh so they can just start pushing the stuff they don't have room for. So they exactly. don't just cancel things that people love. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, Lena Headey, um, and the big surprise out of that, out of uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, was Brian Austin Green from 90210. I remember now, yeah. Playing Derek Reese, playing, you know. Yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy who comes back. And yeah. Oh, man. Oh, so good. And Summer, and and again, we've diverted a little bit here, but like Summer Glau has such a unique look that you wouldn't think of her to play a Terminator, but watch her in that show. And you're just like, why? Why did this not get turned into movies? Why did she not appear in any of the Terminator franchise films? Like she's yeah. so good. <laughs> Just all these talented people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the last person I will mention, uh, just because I have a real soft spot for oh, the mentor, the, yeah. the, 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 the wise mentor, leader, teacher, uh, spiritual advisor, Ron Glass as Shepard Daryl Book. Um, oh, he's amazing in this show. So good. Yes. He, and and a quiet badass. Like a real quiet badass. Like his backstory is amazing. Like they don't even come close. Like they obviously don't come close. We just meet everybody in this episode, but it's he's just his acting is is just amazing and mm-hmm. his character is just so fun to watch like especially during some scenes when his character is like caught off guard with mm-hmm. like certain information it's just i don't know like he's just so human like, oh yeah 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 you're absolutely right um so uh i want to get into so that so we've been kind of doing some of the stats of the regular cast here um so i might as well jump into what i would normally do on an episode, on a normal episode of Computer Resume Podcast by giving you the stats, a.k.a. who do we blame? Um, In this instance, I think it has to be who do we praise? (laughs) Uh, Of course, the episode was written and directed by Mr. Joss Whedon. If you don't know who Joss Whedon is, here's, here's uh, here's a very brief rundown. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Dollhouse, and if it wasn't done by John Favreau in the MCU, odds are it was Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so another segment I mentioned Cinema Shock earlier in this uh, earlier in this episode, but a segment that's become a fra- a favorite, definitely of mine, is the segment called "Whom a Trekking With." <laughs> Basically, taking whatever cast that we've got and uh, seeing who was in Star Trek. So uh, just really quickly, Mark Shepard, who plays Badger, he's been on a ton of sci-fi stuff. Oh, His I sci-fi cred is through the roof. And he did such a great job as Badger in the series. And this is not the last time you will see him. I love him in this character. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he also appeared in um, Battlestar Galactica. He had a pretty uh, prominent role in Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, which was pretty much helmed by Ronald D. Moore, who was responsible for a lot of uh, the next gen era story and production. Um, so yeah, it, it all comes back around to Star Trek. But yeah, Mark Shepard as Badger played Lucan on Star Trek Voyager season six, episode 19. It's called Child's Play. That episode is called Child's Play. That was out in 2000 and the same year. Mr. Ron Glass, who plays Book, played Loken on Star Trek Voyager Season 7, Episode 8, 
Nightingale. And while we are talking about uh, Mr. Ron Glass, I will go ahead and say, unfortunately, he passed away uh, November 25th, 2016 uh, in Los Angeles. Um, I don't see, I don't see what from or any, uh, or any of his credit or any of the, you know, explanations as to um, what happened, but his resume is so great. I mean, in terms of nerd stuff, one of the last things he did was the agents of shield TV show. He had a couple of episodes there in 2013, 2014. And uh, you know, he did some, some video game work, some, some, a lot of TV stuff, but just really, really made his mark. I think in my mind as book on Firefly. And I like to think he's, you know, up there now just holding court <laughs> uh, but um, Godspeed uh, Mr. Glass really appreciate uh, the work that you did uh, on Firefly and you know your brief appearance in Star Trek thank you for everything that you did and uh, rest in peace sir so I uh, you know we've talked a lot about the cast and uh, sort of um you know, who was involved, but I want to talk about a couple of different things involved in this episode that end up bleeding over into the entire series. And some of these things that I think are not necessarily touched on in Star Trek, at least in the original series and the TNG era, but I wonder uh, thoughts about how they're being explored in the newer series. Uh, The theme of building a family, like we see when the show starts that Mal and Zoe already have a tight connection. And, you know, with the introduction of Wash as the pilot and Zoe's husband, you know, that core group is really tight. And you can see that Inara and Mal clearly have great (laughs) chemistry together. (laughs) An unspoken thing. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely an unspoken thing, but it is definitely there. But they, you know, all that to say, like they are building this little family. And then Mm -hmm. when they bring on book, um, Simon and River, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of rounds things out. How do you feel about the ideas of building, building a family even if it's not blood, if it's, you know, the family you choose uh, and how those ideas have been or have not been explored in Star Trek, because we've got a lot of really good crew dynamics in the Star Trek yeah. franchise. But I I hesitate to say many of them are like family to each other. How do you how do you feel about that? Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, well, when it comes to building your own family, um, it's imperative because um, I don't know how everyone else is, but most of my family is crazy um, and not all of them are good people. So I I think picking and choosing the people you surround yourself is the only real way to get through this life in any kind of happy way. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Um, now when it comes to the shows, I think you're right in the sense that Star Trek more focuses on on the crew relationships. But I want to say that like some of the first officers and the, I guess the higher up crew kind of mm-hmm. has a, a family tie-ness to it. I, I want to say that it kind of, they blended the idea mm. with crew being family. So it was kind of like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's 
it's like they kind of did both in a sense where you have like the crew relationship and the family relationship like you would die for these people um right but you may not know as much about them as you would say like mal and mal and zoe like they are they know everything like they they're the secrets people like they were there you know when things were really bad but when it comes to the crew like i want to say that their relationships maybe aren't as deep but it might be more about time spent together than the quality of the relationship like yeah i yeah i feel like star trek has a lot of really tight one-on-one relationships you know kirk and spock Mm-hmm. clearly big big relationship like, there like best friends kind of relationships but not yeah not like geordie and data you know yeah. there's a clear bond there um picard and, and uh picard and will mm-hmm. uh will and troy you know there's a lot of different like one-on-one connections and i think that extends uh to some of the other shows as well but i think i, I think, think right it's more one-on-one than a large group yeah yeah, uh, I feel like it, it even bleeds over into Enterprise, where it's kind of we see Archer interacting with Trip, who they are very close. They went up through the academy together. Um, Trip and Paul, you know, have a very you know yeah. back and forth <laughs> relationship there, and as well as some others. But I think with Star Trek Discovery, we're seeing the emergence of a crew that truly acts together as a family. And I think the other difference is, is maybe the size. That's true. Because the crew on Firefly is like less than 10 people there. It's very small ship. It's very tight quarters. It is. I think I've seen set builds and like pictures with actual, like how how big these sets were. They actually had the ship. Like what they acted on was basically a replica of the ship. It's awesome. So the size they were working on was the size that they lived in. Like that's what the, that's how big it was. Um, But when it comes to like all the other series, those crews were huge. Like I can't imagine they were any less than like hundreds, like hundreds of people. Sure. And I think maybe the smallest was like in the fifties, but still that's a lot of. Yeah. I think the NX01 has something like, um, I want to say 80 some, if, if, if memory serves, I think enterprise uh the enterprise d had well over a thousand mm-hmm. um so but yeah those are those are big, those are big yeah. yeah those are big crews those are really big crews and it's kind of easy to get lost yeah and, it, and it's hard to have such a tight family unit when it's so big right. so that's probably why they focus more on the one-on-one relationships as opposed to everybody <laughs> yeah exactly so this is a little more surface level maybe i should have started with this there's a big <laughs> there's a big uh meshing of visual cultural aesthetics so oh, yeah. we've got so we've got clearly the space thing mm-hmm. that's kind of the background and then we've got a lot of um sort of western frontier American Western. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a lot of dusters, a lot of boots, a lot of leather, a lot of, holsters. you know, yeah, yeah. I holsters. Love if they have guns. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gun, not a laser, not a, you know, not a, not some weird funky you know, pistol. It's a gun. Bullets out of this woman in 2517. Like. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then there's also this element of Asian culture as well. Mm-hmm. That's sort of. Yep, that's how they get away with cursing. 
that's how they get away with cursing. <laughs> all their slurs and curse words and very frustrations were all in, I don't know the language exactly, but I know that it's either Japanese or Chinese, I think, but I'm not positive. I think I need to look into that. It might be uh, Korean. I'm not sure, but. Wow. See that, it, see, I, I, I missed that in my research. I was so focused on the visual aesthetic. Oh I, yeah. You know, yeah. It's... All, of, all of their cursing, essentially all of their like, Oh, kind of when they were like, yeah. kind of stuff. Sorry. Um, <laughs> damn it damn it ran i gotta bleep that out well crap um <laughs> but they do it in a different language and um i meant to turn subtitles on because then it might tell me what it is but i'll have to look into that because now i'm curious but it, it was it's an asian language and yeah they blended so much stuff together and yeah. it's it's so well done yeah. like it's so visually pleasing like you have essentially an off-road vehicle next to horses yep. and what these scenes you've got this like huge like spaceship behind you and you're riding in on a horse like it's just but it but it doesn't come across silly yeah no yeah it doesn't it, it comes across as kind of like oh okay well that far in the future yeah stuff got blended together somewhere along the line yeah mm -hmm. i think of did you ever see the amazon prime show uh based on the work of philip k dick uh the man in the high castle um, I don't think I have. I, I think I've heard about it, but I don't think I've seen it. So long story short, it's the story of what if uh, what if the Nazis won World War II? Oh, okay. And basically in the and this isn't a spoiler for anything, but in the opening credits of the entire show, you see a map of the US and basically the Nazis have claimed from the East Coast to the Rockies. Oh wow. And and the Japanese have claimed from the West Coast to the Rockies. Oh. So Part of part of that show, and again, this isn't a spoiler of anything because it's an amazing show and everybody should go watch it. Um, part of that is Asians, the Asians depicted in the show, pr prominent Asians, <laughs> crazy rich Asians, um, but uh, Asians with a lot of money um, in that world, in that universe, in this story, uh, their big thing that they collect is Americana because that stuff is going away because the Nazis took over a big chunk of the country. Japanese took over the rest. And the thing that is highly sought after is Americana specifically from the old West uh, Stetsons, uh, gun holsters, revolvers, bullets, um, yeah. things of that nature. And it's fascinating to me to look at that story and then see Firefly where it's a lot of different things combined. And I also, it also makes me think of steampunk, you know, the idea of, yeah, yeah. Comment about that. I think the reason a lot of us like this combination so much is because it's essentially steampunk, but in a different version, like it's steampunk is more like vintage. What is it like forties, thirties or forties? It's like steampunk is generally the futurism from Victorian era, the Victorian era. Right. Um, and then this is, western like old school western with star trek essentially like you got yeah. and all this technology and all these like you're out in the galaxies and universes but it's it's very it's very old western you've got holsters and guns and and the thing i think that's why i like mal so much in this as a captain because he has that old school cowboy feel like he's got that like 
Picard and Kirk and most of the captains in Star Trek have where it's they have a very strong moral compass there is a moral flexibility with Mel but there's a very strong compass as to where he points like he he he's not out to hurt people he's just trying to just make it like everybody else yeah yeah you're absolutely right just just trying to make his way in the world you know after he after you know he was so fired up and doing so well in the battle of Serenity Valley and did and the the slow motion shot of his yeah. of his the rest of his uh, regiment being just disseminated and you know and obliterated. Uh, it's such a it's such a painful thing to watch, yeah. but um, it tells you a lot about that character of just like what okay, he- I was all he was all about a cause. He was yeah. all about a cause, and then when not only did that cause fail, but the leadership of that cause failed him. Yeah, they abandoned him. Yep. Like, and that's how he feels. They they let him down and he is not effing happy about it. No. Because so, he stood for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If we had to give a rundown of this entire crew as uh, the and I'll just go ahead and say the regular crew cuz we've got a ton of a ton of guest stars. Oh yeah. Some I mean, very notable guest stars throughout throughout the show. Um, oh, yeah, there's a lot of storyline in this series. And yeah. And I just, I meant, I mentioned Mark Shepard. He's in, he's in another episode for sure. But I think oh, yeah. most famously Christina Hendricks as Saffron. Yep. She's in there. Um, there's a bunch of people. Zach Efron appears a whole, but yeah, there's a whole bunch, a lot of really great people showed up for this. But um, if we had to take like the core, the core group. So we're looking at nine actors here. If we had to assign a character from the Star Trek universe to each of them of like, they are most like this person, who would you say is, who is Malcolm Reynolds? There's no wrong answer here, by the way. (laughs) The thing of it is though, is I don't know if I have one because just thinking out, just thinking about on the surface, I don't know if, if there is any equivalent to a lot of these characters just because of the backgrounds and their storylines and it's mm. just like there's so grit so much grittier on firefly like there's so yeah. much realism in them and that's not to say that star trek doesn't have realism in their characters and they're not fleshed out and amazing but it, it's just it's a different level of drama yeah yeah it's a right down to the way they speak you know yeah. it doesn't it their lines roll off the tongue different than the stuff that we've seen in the franchise so far and there's a different theming behind it and there's just i mean i was gonna make a comment about this because as i remember when they came up in the story reavers yeah are one of those they scare the crap out of me (laughs) yeah there is something so it's amazing to me they show up in the series several times and there's a huge part about them in the movie which part of the reason why i love the movie is so much because they kind of explain where they came from but in the star trek series i don't think there is a more terrifying bad guy than the reavers like they're up there with the borg like and i think they be worse wow just the level because there's no the explanation of them in this first episode of this Mm -hmm. series Mm -hmm. it's perfect yeah 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 you're absolutely right we don't think 
they just, they are animals and they are not something you want to encounter and it, they're terrifying. And the funny thing is, is I don't even think you see them ever. I think you might see a video of it in like, or like a, a shot of it in, in Serenity, but in the series itself, I don't think you ever actually encounter them. We encounter their ship. We encounter them dealing with them. Yep. But the level of fear you have from something you've never even seen before, like it amazes me how well done it was. Yeah. I, I mean, that kind of goes back to, that's a level, that's a level of awareness of writing, I think, because you look at things like Jaws, where- yeah. You hardly see the shark. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. <laughs> and yeah. when you do finally see the shark, it just, it terrifies you even more. <laughs> like with most horror, like monster movies, they don't really show the creature until much later in the film because it builds that suspense. Oh yeah. And oh, they, kind of all of that was, they all got that from Jaws. I think that was, I think that was a big, I think that was started. a big part of like, you know, I mean, Jaws played such a influential role in terms of, production but also in writing in that yeah. you know you had a lot of you had these interesting characters who became like brothers on the ship and then they are fighting this unseen evil that is quite literally ready to devour them but we hardly ever see them so i think maybe maybe this isn't maybe this isn't so much like star trek as it is like jaws in space a little bit definitely has some overlapping elements for sure <laughs> the suspense is there definitely. oh absolutely so any final thoughts as we wrap up we've been talking for over an hour <laughs> yeah i don't get to talk about this show enough <laughs> i really don't I, I i need to watch this show everybody you've you've just heard the uh the first episode of ren's new podcast <laughs> where she where it's finding firefly with ren sims Coming soon to a podcast network near you. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Mostly because I just have, I, I have very little motivation to do much when I'm outside of work. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every, I imagine uh, your final thoughts will probably echo mine. Everyone should watch this. Yes. Yes. Everyone should at least devote a little bit of time to this series. And like I said, if you don't have time for the series, just watch the movie. It's There's not as much character development, but you get the basis of what the series was meant to be, I think. And I think that's kind of why the movie's there, mm. to kind of give people that didn't get to experience it the way it was supposed to. This is like, here, watch this instead, and it's just as good. Right. <laughs> it will rip your gosh darn heart out, but it's still a really good movie to watch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Well, next week, we will be joined by my good friend, uh, comedian, uh, the lovely and hilarious Robin Scott will be on the big show to discuss Enterprise Season 2, Episode 13, Dawn, which, of course, is available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and, of course, on Paramount+. Plus. Ren, where can people annoy you on the internet? Uh, Facebook and Instagram, rcsims82. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, I'm just not on the internet very often much. So it's just like, you can try to bug me, but I'll see it in a couple of weeks, maybe. Like, <laughs> I've, I've been terrible. Like, I'm, it, ugh, I've been the worst when it comes to that kind of stuff lately. <laughs> I, trust me, uh, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to book people for the show today. And it was just like, I was trying to book people while uh, doing notes for the show, while trying to actually work at work. <laughs> 
and it all just kind of imploded. That house of cards just crumbled on itself. Like it does. Yeah. Uh, say la vie. Here we are. <laughs> I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?